Are you satisfied with your understanding of sustainability? If you are not, imagine a journey together, a pluralistic one, with academia, innovators, startups, NGOs, all looking for solutions to the greatest challenge of our time. My name is Samuele Tini, and this is the Sustainability Journey. Welcome to another episode, and today we are going to discuss a topic which is particularly interesting, the financial risk. Uh, what are financial institutions doing in the wake of the, in the light of the climate crisis? And we do it from a practitioner point of view, because of course we want to give practical advice from people that have been in the corporate world for many years. And we do the former corporate executive that has been a, I mean, more than a decade working in different banks. And now she's also joined in the teaching and trying to uh, online and trying to spread the word and educate the people on what is climate risk, finance risk, and what does it mean also as well, this investing from fossil fuel. So I want to really welcome here at the podcast, Anna Lucas. Anna, it's a pleasure having you today. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. And Anna, uh, you have a long experience working in the financial uh, sector. And this is very important for us to understand the practicality. What does it mean beyond the going beyond the slogan and see how we can implement that? how the financial institution can be an actor of change. But before that, the, our usual question, who is Anna? What is your sustainability journey? Yes, well, uh, I have been a corporate banker for about 25 years, uh, and that is how I really identify myself mostly, professionally. Uh, I worked mostly taking care of corporate client relationships. I was responsible for the teams of relationship managers that took care of those corporate clients and also the teams of corporate lenders. So those that were really uh, negotiating lending transactions and putting them together for uh, to finance the big corporates. Um, I also spent some time after that working as a senior manager in operational risk management, uh, which enriched me a lot from the perspective and having a complete uh, view about the, the bank also from the, the side of risk and compliance and uh, all of that I did mostly uh, for ING for many years in several locations in Eastern Europe. My sustainability journey um, really started uh, about say some 10 years ago, 10 or 11 years ago, when ING established a new sustainability team at the headquarters in Amsterdam. At that time, this was a novelty. Yeah, Not many people were actively speaking about sustainability in the financial world back then. It was still before the Paris Agreement. So I, I really thought that this was a very visionary thing to do from the side of ING, or so I think it was. Uh, and as a manager then on location, I had to implement new processes. We were asked for example, from then on, with each new lending transaction above a certain amount, we had to provide information about how this particular transaction was going to help or have an impact in terms of the environment. So mostly at that time, we were speaking about these, these topics of environment. For example, we, were, we would be looking at a company and say, okay, do they have some problems with high pollution levels, for example? So 
is this investment, this new financing we are going to give them to help decrease the levels of pollution? Or are we going to finance a new equipment that will allow companies to recycle more materials, to reuse them, or to, to better waste manage their activities? So these were the main were the main considerations at that time. And we had to start thinking about them already then, but this really resonated with me from the first moment. I, I really had the feeling that this is going to be a crucial thing for the future. I had the feeling already then that we were looking at the risks that were new types of risks that was, were coming to the world because of, of natural evolution of the world and the, the, the economy and the, the, the society. But this uh, stayed always <clears throat> on my mind. And, and then, uh, therefore, when I later decided to uh, leave the bank and I started in my activities as a banking instructor, I definitely said to myself that uh, sustainability, uh, ESG, and these matters around sustainable finance, that these are going to be the issues that I'm going to go to pass through in my courses. Uh, I, I really think I'm absolutely convinced that all bankers and anyone working in, in finance in industry at the moment needs to be aware of uh, all the, the risks and the environmental and social factors that uh, surround us. And basically, this is what I've done lately. So um, I have a few courses that are dedicated to these topics, and uh, I'm really glad that I have a wide audience uh, around the world because some of my students are really sitting in underdeveloped countries and their access to this information and at certain high level of sophistication in terms of banking knowledge and finance knowledge related to climate is not really available or the resources are, are limited. So I'm, I'm very glad that I have the possibility to do this at this moment. Fantastic, Anna. And I'm sure also our listener want to understand a bit more why it's so important they want to know from your wisdom and your long experience in, in the sector. And the first question is a bit of terminology. So, you know, is now we need to understand, and you spoke about climate risk, they have now have become financial risk. So can you explain a bit more this terminology and maybe with some practical example so that we can understand this topic? Yes, uh, this is really very imp imp important and it is at the heart of the whole discussion that we really need to un understand why we speak so much about these environmental things and ESG and, and, and risks. This is all because of the, the risks we are exposed to. And this uh, respects to corporations, to, to, to banks, to financial institutions, to anyone. The, the broader economy, frankly, is exposed to these risks. So um, climate risks are basically divided into, into two categories. Uh, and I will try to e explain both of them and also give some examples of how they can affect then this particularly how they can affect banks and financial institutions. So the first category within climate risks are the physical risks. These are probably more, more intuitive to understand because um, these come with the exceptional or catastrophic weather events. So the increased and intensified uh, storms, uh, hurricanes, floods, wildfires, uh, also a little bit on the chronic level, the increased uh, level of sea levels already. So every time there is an incident like this, uh, huge financial losses happen. This, I guess, is quite easy to understand why uh, this 
these hazards they destroy entire communities many times they destroy um, complete infrastructure so obviously the property the the, the homes the, the buildings uh, you know everything that is uh, around these communities gets destroyed and therefore businesses are completely disrupted and when you have a disruption in business and you are a bank uh, that is financing this business, or you are uh, an insurance company that has insured this this business or part of it. You are you are basically affected immediately because the assets you relied on as a security for your loans and the cash flows you were expecting to have to repay your loans, for example, these are basically they they disappear. They they cannot be there for a long time. So this is really. A very big problem for uh, financial institutions. The other category of risks that um, are uh, not so in intuitive and it's a little bit more um, complicated to explain, but uh, uh, we will we'll go through it, are the transition risks. So what we have said um, is that in order to try to mitigate the the hazards and the weather events, the extreme weather events and the climate problem, we have to transition to a greener economy, to a, a, a less intensive emission economy, right? So, but with this transition, we have also some transition risks. And these are all the market risks, technological risks and policy risks that come with the fact that we are actually going through this transition. So. Let's have a look now about these transition risks. We start, for example, with the technological risks. So imagine that we are uh, replacing the usage of fossil fuels by electricity or other type of renewable energy. This means that uh, we have new projects, new investments in new technologies, in wind farms, in solar panels, in electrification networks. So. We are speaking about a huge amount of investments and changing the production patterns at corporates as opposed to the past. And every time we change something this big and this dramatic, obviously it comes with performance and economic viability challenges because uh, nothing goes linearly. Okay, so the pace at which we wish the investments would go will probably be disrupted. There will be delays. There will be things that will have to change technically multiple times. Uh, demand in the end for this new re renewable energy uh, in this, this example we gave may not be there at the level we expected for some reason. So when banks and other financial institutions are involved in the financing of this complete transformation and new technologies, obviously they are carrying part of all these risks that things go wrong, that the, the management of the, the, the companies, for example, even will not cope with the change, uh, you know, all kinds of financial problems will also be involved here. Okay, so in terms of the technology, a lot of problems within this transition. Then we have market risks. Uh, market risks are basically um, defined by changing of consumer preferences. Okay, so consumer preferences are really shifting. Consumers are starting to demand a new type of products and services. They, yeah, they are willing to pay more for services and products that are less damaging to the environment or that are produced uh, with uh, taking in, into account the human element. So, you know, people are very sensitive at the moment to making sure that they 
byproducts that are not done, uh, for example, using child labor or, uh, you know, having very uh, inhuman uh, working conditions. So all these market preferences, this shift, what means is that some companies will obviously go out of business because they cannot adapt and that they are not able to, to come up with different ways how to, how to produce their, their, their products and therefore the, the consumers will not buy them. But also, of course, many other companies will emerge as new businesses, those that in reality are able to make the transition yeah, and buy new materials and do things differently. But again, a lot of problems for business, financial problems for businesses that won't be able to adapt. And by consequence, also the banks involved with them will have a problem. And also banks will be looking at the, the companies when deciding where, where to lend money. We are looking at the, the, these companies also asking ourselves today, are they going to have demand for their products? Uh, are they going to be able to adapt to the what the customer wants in terms of the environmental and social issues? So we are also very critical now starting to, to, to be at, at banks regarding the, these issues. And finally, we have additional policies and the government intervention. There is a lot of regulatory new regulatory policies that come to regulate businesses, sometimes impose limitations. Uh, mostly those businesses that are high high polluting, we we know that some oil fields and coal mines, for example, have already had to close down and close activities because uh, you know it's not allowed anymore. So this type of policy and regulation is coming also to 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 reduce the activities of some businesses, and obviously banks involved in those activities will have to take care about this. Um, and the longer it gets to take to the Paris Agreement, um, well, the closer we are to get there, uh, the more pressure there will be, and the more we, we, we will see this new policy and this new re regulation uh, being imposed. So a lot of additional costs uh, here uh, coming up, and obviously also the, the carbon taxes, okay, that come to, to put a price and to, to penalize those that are polluting. So these new costs for these businesses uh, are really uh, bringing a lot of uh, financial pressure, uh, not to speak about all the reputational issues and also uh, environmental uh, litigation that we are seeing, you know, companies being sued because of damaging the environment and not transitioning in the way that they should. So, uh, sorry, a little bit of a long question here, but there is a lot of things really around this. Oh, no, it's very good and I really like how you clearly you have explained the different risks and how they play. And you kept going, discussing about now the needs also uh, of the risk. And the subsequent question is, of course, how the banks, the financial institution, are approaching now this revaluation of their portfolio in the light of the climate risk that we have just discussed, which are the challenges they are facing in this, uh, in this process. So... Uh... Banks uh, obviously have also made their pledges, right, to reduce uh, their so-called financed emissions, so the scope three, so the ones that basically we are facilitating when we, when we as banks finance the, the, the oil and gas and the steel and cement and transportation, so the high emitting sectors. But on the other side, banks also are doing a lot of profit uh, financing these industries, right? So it's not easy to do this uh, from one day to the other maybe we'll speak about this a little bit later in the conversation but 
uh, as regards portfolio evaluation. Um, we at banks, uh, when we do a portfolio revaluation, re what it means is that we have to analyze our exposures and then decide if we are going to transform it, if we are going to keep it, if we are going to divest from it, so uh, you know, uh, decrease this financing, or if we are going to reprice it. So if we are going to put a different price up on it, and the first thing that we we need to say about the, this exercise is that. Uh, banks are not doing this um, exercise um, and not deciding about the reduction of their exposures to, to certain uh, sectors or on a standalone basis. So this doesn't work in, in the way that, that one bank says, okay, so I'm going to reduce the, uh, this financing to fossil fuels, for example, by 20%. And then another bank says it's 30%. And another, that, this is not how it works. So the way it works is that there is a benchmark scenario that uh, set out the appropriate rate of carbon reduction in each particular industry. So uh, this is, uh, has been set at, as, at industry levels. And obviously, when the banks are, are looking at their, their portfolios and trying to re reduce the exposures to these sectors, they have to be aligned with this, this, this pathway. So there is an in industry methodology methodology behind all the you know the the, the decarbonization of each sector but uh, besides that the way to do this in banks is then to go uh, almost client by client engaging with the, the, the clients and analyzing very specifically for each client what are their emissions at the moment what are their targets see if they, these targets are realistic and then uh, realize or make a decision whether we think really that this borrower is on the right path and whether we can finance it, his transition in, in a way that we will uh, be uh, providing other types of uh, uh, financing or if in the end uh, we will have to divest because we don't believe that this client is able to, to do a transition uh, properly and the risk is very high. So what what we are doing here is that we have to make sure for example even if we decide to finance uh, um, uh, electric vehicles for example that is basically labeled as as green financing okay even then we have to uh, realize that financing electric vehicles comes with the issue of mining valuable minerals in developing countries so are we sure that the conditions on which this, this mining is taking place is are, are proper. So there are many issues here when we de de decide as banks to reevaluate the, the portfolios and shifting from one type of financing to the other. But basically, the major risk is that we are looking at the credit profile of borrowers. So we have to make sure each client by client, particularly on those sectors that high, are the high uh, 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 polluting ones, so we have to make sure that we understand how our clients are exposed to the physical risks, first of all, where they are lo located, where their suppliers are located. And then we have to have a view that be because of new policy or carbon prices in the, the future, whether the, the assets we have as collateral are properly valued, most probably at this moment they will be in my opinion overvalued because banks are not taking into account the all risks that are there for the 
the future. So we have to go and analyze the quality of the, these assets and what is the resilience of our borrower in the future for potential new policies, potential increase of carbon prices, and what the assets that this borrower is using for their activities is there a risk that they are going to be closed down that they are going to be they will have to to shut it up so we really have to go client by client but at the same time as i said in the beginning having a view on and and being aligned with the benchmark for the the industry okay so uh, this is basically what, what we are doing Fantastic. And it's really, it's really interesting. And I have a substantive question. You know, when you say you have to go client by client, every day now we read in the press, uh, corporates, especially big corporate, but also medium uh, enterprise, they are now making pledges, uh, net zero, uh, to our carbon neutral, 2030, 2050, 2062. So all these pledges and then into also maybe emission reduction and other, how this is impacting the financial sector, especially in the context that you are already discussing? Yeah. Yes. So this is uh, this is very imp important question because uh, sometimes we have the, the feeling, I think the general public has the feeling that uh, everybody's making pledges, but uh, sometimes, you know, they they probably are not are not not taken seriously or they are just making pledges be, because they have to and this is a very serious matter because this is a lot to do with reputation and uh, we definitely don't want as financial institutions and banks to go and uh, and support companies that are making claims uh, that are not true so this is a very important question but basically what we what we are doing in terms of, with, with with our borrowers and with our clients in in um, in in banks is that we really need to scrutinize these pledges. It is a little bit of a part um, of the of the of the revaluation re re of portfolio that we we spoke before. So we need to have a critical view on whether these uh, these pledges are realistic. We need to have bankers, by the way, at this moment, that are a little bit of sector experts. We need to have bankers that they really do understand the specific challenges and trends in particular industries, mostly regarding the decarbonization and, and, and climate risks, so that we can then uh, evaluate whether what our clients are telling us and are telling the world outside whether this is realistic. So this is part of the, the, the exercise we are doing when we reevaluate re re our portfolio. Um, as I said, we need to take in, into account that sometimes the, the companies are doing these pledges, but then when we go into the detail, we realize that they are not taking for example, into account potential increases in carbon pricing and uh, or in introduction of new carbon taxes. And I do believe that this is an area that is going to have a, a lot of uh, developments. And this is something that must be discussed with the clients. Um, the models are still being fine tuned all over the place. So there is a lot of talk about climate scenarios that, you know, banks and corporates should go, go about and do their client scenarios and test, you know, if, if some things happen, how re resilient they are and so and so. But, you know, with all the geopolitical uh, uh, complications that we, we have now with one war, now second war, this gets very, very difficult to, to do. But in any case, what we have to understand is that these pledges cannot be taken lightly because greenwashing uh, and the reputational issues 
uh, and are, are being more and more uh, taken um, as, uh, um, as, as criminal litigation risks. As I said, many companies are being sued already, and we definitely don't want that our clients, our borrowers, will be in a in a position where uh, there is a huge reputational issue around. So, um, companies that, on the other side, will lack a strategy in this respect and will ignore uh, the the problem of having to to transition. So those that don't do any pledges and they don't care so much. In the end, we'll find out also that it will be harder in the future to find financing for them. So the more uh, we uh, approach the Paris Agreement, uh, agreement date, the more banks and financial institutions will demand from their borrowers and corporates that what are they doing in order to, 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 to transition and to align their strategy with the emission reduction goals. So it will get more difficult for these companies to be financed. But at the same time, we also have some opportunities coming up. So new products are coming to the financial markets uh, to finance uh, this transition. So the whole area of green finance, of su sustainability linked loans, sustainability finance. So a lot of products are available for those corporates that indeed do their pledges, but they stick to them. And then together with their banks, they cooperate and they find a way how to finance their activities uh, going forward. And thank you so much, Anna. And you, you pointed in your discussion two or three things that I want to, to go a bit in depth. You say that sometimes there's a contradiction. Uh, sometimes, uh, especially there are, on one side, you have discussed there are the risks, there is the pressure from regulators, the pressure from the consumers, there is the need of uh, incorporating those risks and understanding and really financing also uh, the, the transition. On the other side, business as usual has been highly profitable for a company. And uh, so how banks are, align, are aligning the commitments, especially to the Paris Agreement, the subsequent agreement, the various COP that are there, why also protecting what was now an interesting business uh, and their business interest? And we'll go maybe with a subsequent question to discuss the elephant in the room sometimes that is pointed out and then is that is in the in the newspapers uh, and especially now uh, at the various scope and 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 and, and, the, and the public domain. So, which are the strategy that they have to the banks they 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 employ to balance, especially the conflicting goals from one side appeasing the shareholders, not disrupt, but on the other side going towards this transition and enabling the transition. Yes. So. <laughs> This is uh, absolutely the biggest challenge I think we have uh, on the financial uh, sector, because on one side, we can really be as banks uh, accelerators of change, right? Because we have the, the, the resources and can provide financing to the needed new technologies and projects that we need for the transition. So that's the, the good side, yeah. But on the other side, we are also um, the perpetuators of the status quo. Okay, uh, as you, you, you said, so while we continue to finance uh, and have large exposures to high e emission intense uh, sectors and activities, we are perpetuating the status quo and it is, it is absolutely acceptable that the, the, the public uh, points this out. Now, um, there are two things here. First of all, um, 
let's let's look first at the at what banks are doing and how internally we can we can manage this and then we go to the the, the elephant in in the room of why we we cannot really you know go out of fossil fuels and just stop oil and all this why it's not so easy so strategies um a clear strategy that we we are seeing in the, in the, the financial sector and I, I truly believe in this and I, I think this is one of the main things is that alongside with the commitments that banks have done to decarbonize their portfolios they really have to change their set of kpis so key performance indicators for executive management and they have to cascade it down to all levels of, of the bank what does this mean so um uh, maybe a parallel here you know like maybe 30 years ago when we we would be in the banks and we would be an, uh, evaluating the performers of of corporate bankers we would basically look at lending and we will say okay we want our lending portfolio to to, to increase 15 uh, percent year on year okay and then we would have all bankers going out and making new transactions and giving new loans and many times they would not care so much about the risk that was onboarded because their bonuses their evaluation depended on the amount of loans so the higher the amount of loans the more they would be su successful and then later on we realized in the banks that oh but this is not good because now we, we have losses but I mean, the bankers didn't care because their bonuses were already paid, right? I mean, they, they performed well. They brought the loans to the bank. So this led the industry to shift in the terms of the KPIs to include other evaluation indicators that were concerned about the quality of the loans. So it's not only to bring loans to, to the bank, but we also need to take care that they, about their quality. So we take care about what is the cost of capital that we have with, this, with, with, this, with the, these loans. We don't want to have provisions in these loans. So a similar thing is happening here now. We have additional risks now that are coming to the banks and to the economy, and therefore, we have to change the way we evaluate the bankers and the CEOs and the boards of the banks. We have to not only say we are going to decarbonize, but we have to make their remuneration linked to achieving these targets. And we have to be very transparent and very critical about what happens if the targets are not met. I don't think we are going to be able to do this in banks in a serious manner if we don't change the, the traditional kpis we have now just that is you know profitability and quality of loans that's all very fine but now we need to introduce new kpis and this is already being done in certain banks so this is very clear and alongside with also the new product offering so we also have to have targets for new product offering in terms of the sustainable finance products and the green finance products and these two KPIs together are, in my opinion, the engine that will change the attitude inside banks, because we, 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 we really need this. Now, the other thing is that what we were saying, that um, the, the portfolio reevaluation re is, a, is a difficult exercise. Uh, there are a lot of things that we, we still are not capable to properly manage in banks, also because of data issues. Um, banks have been working for years with risk uh, analysis that are based on, on patterns of 
loss or, or loss given default uh, for certain industries but these are, are patterns that have been there for decades now with climate we don't have this because what is happening is is that the recent events are so out of the norm that is is very difficult to use the, the, this data to have a, a real very specific uh, measuring of what the risk is but this means that you know we we still have to try and do the best we, we can you know the, the fact that it is difficult and the fact that we don't know exactly when the next climate event will happen doesn't mean that we do nothing okay so the strategies in banks goes through the revising of the portfolio looking at the pathways and the the what the industry is is, is doing and then having a complete shift in change in governance and in, in the way we evaluate the people inside the organization to make sure that we stick to the pledges that we have done. Now, we can go to the... To the, to the, elephant. To the, the elephant in the room. Yes. <laughs> so, so, the stop oil, why yes. fossil fuel is so difficult? And, yes. Well, uh, it is very, very, I think it's it's a matter of that we we tend to uh, you know see these very bombastic things and uh, and and I I do want to to say here that uh, all the the activists behind these things um, we have to you know understand them and support them in in a way because they are doing a great way in terms of raising awareness for a very big problem that we have in the in the in the economy okay so it it might seem sometimes that it's bombastic and that they are doing crazy things but but they they we we, we have to praise them now the thing is that there are other factors and facts to take into account for example there is currently no real alternative to fossil fuel energy in the world there is simply none so okay some industries will never be able to function without fossil fuels we know this and this is is going to be like this as far as i know the demand from fossil fuels particularly for oil keeps increasing while the demand keeps increasing the corporations need to work to meet the demand okay so it, it's not going away anytime soon even if you look at the geopolitics that uh, and the wars that we are having uh, not ma many people speak about this but if you look at military military is probably going to be the last sector that will ever go is going to move from from fossil fuels i can't imagine how we are going to electrify <laughs> i don't know tanks and all all the other stuff so you know for example okay so um also very important topic that uh, i i think is doesn't have sufficient attention it's so important is that fossil fuel corporations and the whole related value chains around them they employ millions of people all over the world so what would happen if suddenly this would all sh shut down and th these people become redundant i mean there is no alternative at this moment for these people nobody is planning what are we going to do with this social issue of millions of people that are employed in this industry right so huge thing here we we, we don't have alternatives for this we want it to happen but we are not preparing sufficiently for this also some countries are clearly dependent on fossil fuels for their own development 
in order to receive funding from multilateral institutions to build infrastructure and, and all that, they need to demonstrate and they need to make use of the resource of fossil fuels they have. So it's a very complex uh, subject and it cannot be uh, made in, in a general way because also each country, each region has a completely different relation to fossil fuel and, and fossil fuels has, have a different role in the way that economies uh, work. So I, I think that we need far more support and clear policies from the side of governments than we have at the moment for this issue to expect and demand that the financial sector is the sole or the main actor, you know, <laughs> leading this gigantic economic shift, it, it's just unrealistic, okay? Uh, we can also not just uh, generally blame bankers, you know, ordinary employees in the banks. Uh, I've seen some things in, the, in, in some uh, instances in the press. I mean, these are ordinary people that are working in the banks to to, to feed their families, you know, what do we want from them that they risk losing their jobs by, you know, just suddenly uh, being against what their em employer targets are. I mean, it's it, we we have to think better. We we have to have a very concerted action for this goal. Yeah, it's a complex uh, goal that has to be put in place by corporates, governments, supranational in institutions, and obviously the financial sector. But we cannot expect it's just unrealistic that this goes away immediately and right now and 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 stop we we have you know an obligation also towards our customers we as banks you know we have these relationships with these corporations and like it or not we cannot just you know move away without having some alternatives and without having a plan how to do this so yeah it is much more complicated than than the press made it yeah. seem, I guess, when you look at the reality. No, that is, uh, it's really understandable. And of course, you know, it is a path that needs to be crafted in a way that is being a, 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 a soft landing. Of course, we all know the risk of fossil fuel, the problem, but also you have shed light on the intricacy of just like, exactly. we cannot just with a magic wand and say from tomorrow zero, Exactly. Because, of course, we have a lot of geopolitical problem, also different country and levels, and also the right of development of some country, which, they, of course, they are still very carbon and fossil intensive, fossil fuel intensive production and industry. So it's, it's, it's a complex issue that really needs maybe investment from the policy side, support. Yes for a just transition and maybe just and fast transition, but also that taking in consideration all, all, all what you have, you have, of course, discussed. Absolutely. And, maybe, sorry, yes. maybe just a final thing still on this topic. The problem also is that these, these industries uh, generate so much profit, so much money, that it becomes very political and the matter of lobby and, and politics sometimes, uh, you know, overcome reason and overcome even maybe the will that banks and the financial sector would have okay so uh, let's not for, forget also this and that, that that's why i say that the the role of governments and also you mentioned mm. this is absolutely in my opinion still you know lacking uh, in this respect definitely because of course the pressure uh, for the status quo on one side it's still high because of all returns are, especially in these times we have seen, uh, I mean, skyrocketing profits. 
So it's, it needs to be balanced. Of course, you need to balance everything and then have a clear path, uh, which yeah. we know uh, that the consumption will peak, you know, in the next maybe five years or so, and then we start decreasing, but the decreasing still with high level. And I want that. I want to ask you, Anna. Uh, of course, banks more and more, of course, and financial institutions now, we need to navigate this moment because, of course, the pressure for regulation, especially on this uh, hot topic, but even other, and also the reputational risk. We have seen you know, the dirty bank, oil bank, and, and, and maybe armed bank and discussion. So are, and especially for the climate and the reputational risk from the climate-related issues are going to grow, are going to become big, are going to affect also some business. So. What are which are measures you the financial institution are taking to mitigate this risk? Yes, so this has a lot to do with with governance and the way that uh, that uh, financial institutions are organized and the way they take uh, sustainability seriously. Um, there is already a lot of guidance uh, out there about uh, how to report and disclose and 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 uh, and tell to the regulators and the public what are the, the risks and what are the banks doing and the financial institution doing in this respect so it is not for lack of guidance of course it has taken a long time because a lot of standards are out there and sometimes they are not comparable so there's a lot of discussions here and there but but you know there is a lot of guidance already so it is just a matter of making sure that banks have in place a governance strategy that really goes across the whole organization so uh, and also it is about transparency okay so it is very important that financial institutions are very transparent and disclose what they are doing but also that they are accountable so if they do not meet a certain target it's important that they admit this they explain why and that is clearly stated because you know this is an issue it is a difficult matter it is a sophisticated matter we are not going to be there where we want to to be uh, quickly and easy but you have to take this seriously and the most important thing is that you need to have inside the financial institutions dedicated people with knowledge about sustainability carbon accounting environmental economics we you need these new people to get into banks this new talent you cannot just go and and add to the responsibilities of existing employees some things that go you know to you know uh, deal with this issue this you, you need really to allocate resources for this and as i said it goes also from the kpis so your point of view we have to evaluate people already starting with the executive management on what is what is is happening the regulators uh, are going to be more and more de demanding uh, at all levels. So I do expect that also in terms of the pricing of uh, real risk, so loan pricing models, and so will be at a certain moment um, changed and upgraded because of, of this, because we need to make sure that banks, that the, the, the financial sector has sufficient capital buffer and, and liquidity buffers for a, a potential unexpected risks uh, for this, because as we, we said already uh, before, uh, some some assets are clearly uh, over evaluated and some, some, some risks are not taken into account at the moment still. So 
there is a lot to be done, but it is a matter of governance and it is a matter of attitude from the side of the financial sector and, uh, and of mindset. It Fantastic. really has to be, it has to be a, a priority at the board level uh, to start with. And and now, since, you know, you, you just maybe given me the, 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 the note for the next question. So now we have recognized, we know the problem, we know the many issues that are there and also the difficulty to be the disentangle from the status quo and but the need also to transition because of the risk, the government and the reputational risk. So given your experience, how financial institutions can integrate sustainability in their operation? Well, yes, we, we spoke about it a little bit already before. So it's a matter of this governance and it's a matter of the, the attitude and, and everything. But I think that um, what really needs to be done is that we have to understand that most of all, this is a risk exercise. Okay, We really need to understand fully the risks that are at stake uh, and we need to scrutinize the exposures we, we have in the in the financial sector. Um, we mostly hear about what big banks are doing, but there are still dozens of banks out there that do not have the concerns about sustainability on the top of their uh, agenda and the risks there are really mounting. So it is a job also for the regulators to, you know, to tie in and they are trying to, to, to do it, but regulation, as I say, always comes late. So I guess we will probably have to see some failures uh, in, in order for then things moving uh, quicker, unfortunately. But, you know, the first scrutiny of clients for this respect needs to start at onboarding. Already when we start to deal with a new client, we need to understand what are the, the climate risks and what the, the borrower is doing. This is all about understanding very well, you know, credit risk and now including the climate elements into the analysis of risk. So we really need to scrutinize and this and, and then, you know, understand this. And also very important, we need to start changing our loan agreement. So we need to have clauses in the documentations when we lend money to, to, to clients that refer specifically to their uh, 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 decarbonization targets and, and make sure that we have it there and make sure that we periodically review it and, 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 and track it with the client. All right. So this is, again, another way how to force the, co the corporations to think about it and to be serious about the, the pledges they do and because they will not be able to get finance without it and the banks will be checking on this and it might seem that for some people it says oh the banks are controlling everything that that i do yes but i mean we are lending money to these companies we are putting the money of our depositors and of our shareholders at risk we need to be responsible about the way we give money to, to whom we give money to. This is all about being re re responsible in the financial sector. So 
lending decisions have to change lending uh, you know uh, monitoring has to change we have to have new processes inside the banks uh, and the credit institutions to make sure that across the bank and also with the, the, the clients we have a way out to monitor all this because otherwise also our targets uh, for the, the decarbonization as banks will not work this is then just you know it, it, it's a circus it's it's not the mm. bank in the end you know if you don't do Fantastic. things you know mm. probably and, and, and very clear Anna and I just want to say you know you say we need to change this we need to change that how do you see the future of sustainable financing going especially in the next five to ten years what do you see uh, in the especially in the light of this global climate change mitigation effort uh, and others effort in that space how do you see this uh, yeah. trend this is probably the you know the, the the good momentum of all this because I keep speaking about risk and risk and risk, but it, it, indeed it is what it is about. But this is the good mo momentum, okay? So the climate risk, and so this is also bringing to the banks and the financial sectors and to the corporates a lot of opportunities, new opportunities, and clearly sustainable sustainable finance is one of the of those mo mo momentums. This is going to 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 continue booming because as we transition more and more, so more transition problems projects will be there that needs to finance so the all renewable energy but also in carbon capture hydrogen green fuels also in farming a lot of climate tech uh, weather prevention technology so all of this is going to to have a huge boom uh, there are a lot of predictions of you know trillions and trillions of, of dollars that are going to be needed for this transition by 2030 and even more than uh, by 2050 so I really see a lot of opportunities here and a, a lot of uh, um, interesting transactions for banks and for the corporate, the, the, the financial uh, sector, and also a possibility for banks and and um, and credit institutions to to deepen their relationship with their with their clients because by speaking about these things together, by having the goal together of both the bank and the corporate to decrease their 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 carbon the, 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 the how, how carbon intensive they are this is a common goal so it, it will be a lot of a possibility for bankers to get closer to clients and to do things to together for a, a common purpose so from this perspective i am also very excited about sustainable finance and all this problematic because it goes to my corporate banking background you know the managing of the, the, the relationships and know your client but now with really a very a very uh, common goal that can allow for uh, a partnership in a way that we we help each other you know uh, you know uh, achieving some 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 good goal that it's it's basically a win-win, you know. So um, I, I I do think that this is going to to have a huge um, development, and uh, also more and more uh, the, the the qualification for for green claims and and, and green finance is improving. So we have less and less risk that uh, loans are labeled as green or as sustainable where they are not. So things are getting you know more 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 transparent and and more followed up also. For from this perspective of the regulatory and claims, so um, I am I'm very positive about this. This is one of the light moments of this conversation, I guess. <laughs> Fantastic, and it's really it's really important. I really enjoyed the conversation and the discussion, and and you really have shown from the beginning 
a discussion about the, the subjects, defining the risks, then going towards the portfolio, the discussion about also the odd topic on how, uh, you know, especially some sectors are very difficult and also giving us a bit of, of, the, of the future and the opportunity, not only the challenges that, that yeah. lie inside. And as last uh, question, just to, for our audience, what piece of advice would you offer to banks, financial institutions, but even people, you know, they want to transition towards more sustainable practices, but of course, maintaining also the importance of the business viability. So how they can have this win-win uh, yeah. model? Yes, well, I think the important thing to understand is that the business viability uh, in the long run will only be there if indeed uh, you have a resilient business and you are sustainable. If indeed you can demonstrate that you are aware of the risks and you are prepared for them. And, and this, again, uh, we, that's why we need to, to do this reality check on our portfolios because we need to be resilient. We need to prepare for them. There is no going back. You know, Th these are risks that are here. They have evolved. They appeared. Well, they were there also in the past, but we did not realize they were so, so big and so relevant until, you know, recent years. So we, we, we cannot run away from this. This is not something we can run away from. These are evolutionary demands, so to speak, evolutionary risks. So the only way is, is really to, to start this journey the, the, the sooner as possible, because the harder, uh, the longer it will take, the, the, the more uh, we delay, the harder it will be and the more expensive it will become. You know, new policy, new, new carbon taxes, everything is coming to make all this very, very expensive. So I, I would just advise that every board just takes this issue really by the reins. You have to, to set targets, look at industry pathways, realize the, the, the portfolio, uh, measure your targets through your KPIs, allocate resources to the whole agenda don't don't uh, you know <laughs> cut costs on this this is the this is the area to allocate resources to and then be responsible and transparent with new transactions and with the new opportunities and the new financing so this is basically all that is to it um you know viability is only going to be there if the business is strong and if the business is sustainable that's that's the final point Fantastic, Anne, and thank you so much for this wonderful and such insightful episode. I'm sure people will appreciate and it has been a pleasure and honor hosting you. Thank you so much, Anna. Thank you very much, Samuel, for having me. It was a great talk. Thank you. Are you satisfied after this wonderful episode? Let's continue together our sustainability journey.